Good morning. Invite your attention to Colossians chapter 1, the epistle of Paul to the church in Colossae, chapter 1. My text is found in verse 28. My message is titled, Him We Preach. But we're going to be looking at this entire chapter rather briefly, especially as we consider the first point. So in Colossians chapter 1, let me begin reading in verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. As also ye learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, which is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love and the Spirit, for this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being, un being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom... We have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, 
and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's my text. Whom or him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Verse 28, my text. Him we preach. Many preachers are known for what they preach. In fact, you can find entire sects and denominations and religious groups known for preaching such things as the church, baptism, the law of Moses, the Sabbath, charismatic gifts, prophecies, new revelations, creeds and confessions, Calvinism or free willism or other such things. Entire denominations major on such things. They're known for it. There are some men, if... If they tell you, I'm a member of such denomination. Oh, yeah, you folks emphasize this thing or that thing. Other preachers are known for preaching a person, not a thing. But not every preacher of a person preaches the right person. Paul the Apostle indicated this when he said, we do not preach ourselves. We do not preach ourselves. 
Yeah, we've seen that sort, have we not? They're like Simon Magus, the sorcerer, whom Paul confronted in Paphos. We read that he was claiming that he was someone great. And he accepted the praise of his hearers when they said, This man is the great power of God. We've seen preachers like that. Strutting proudly across their podiums like peacocks with their feathers all the way out. And people bragging about what great men they are and they accepting their praise and they reminding us how important they are to God. Yeah, they're preaching a person, but that's the wrong person. Gospel preachers do not preach ourselves. There is nothing in us or of us worth preaching. Do not be like me. I'm not worthy of imitating. I'm therefore not going to preach myself. But I am going to preach a person to you. I'm going to point you to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say, Him we preach. That's the one we preach. Him we preach. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. I have three points in my message today. First, the person we preach. Second, the manner in which we preach him. And third, the reason we preach him. So consider that first point. The person we preach. Of whom does Paul speak when he says, Him we preach. Well, you find him identified in the last part of the verse. Christ Jesus. Him we preach that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, Christ is his title. Jesus is his name. That word Christ corresponds to the Hebrew word Messiah. The Messiah means the anointed one. If you'll go to the second psalm, you will find that the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, is Jehovah's son by an eternal generation. He was never born, but he was begotten. He was begotten, but never in time. Begotten in eternity past by an eternal generation. Therefore, for as long as there has been God, there has been His Son, begotten by this eternal generation. He is eternally the Son of the living God. Jesus asks Peter, Whom do men say I am? Well, they say one of the prophets and one of these great men, this or that. And Jesus said, Yeah, but whom do you say that I am? <laughs> You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
That's the one we preach. This one begotten by God the Father through an eternal generation from all eternity. This one who is the Son of the living God. This one who was anointed by God to be the mediatorial prophet, priest, and king of his people. That's his title. That is the Christ. His name is Jesus. His name means Jehovah is salvation. He was given this name at his birth when he was born of a woman. Remember, begotten of God, born of a woman. God's son, Mary's child. And when he's born, it is said, you shall call his name Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus is therefore not only our Savior, but also our salvation. And nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given by God under heaven by which we must be saved. He is the only Christ. He is the only Jesus. He is the only Savior. He is the only salvation. Now, he is worthy of being preached. When Paul says, him we preach, he assumes <laughs> you already know about what he's talking, this one of whom he here speaks. And that would be in everything he wrote from verse 1 up to verse 28. Now, you probably have the synopsis before you, so I'm briefly going to go through 15 things that are here said about Jesus, the one we preach. First, in verse 2, and you have, these are in your synopsis. He is the bringer of divine grace and peace to his people. For Paul wrote, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only does the Father bring peace to us, but so does Jesus. In fact, the Father does it through Jesus. Second, in verse 4, he is the object of believers' faith. Paul says, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Our faith is not in our baptism. It is not in our church. It is not in our creed. It is not in our confession, if we have one. It is in none of those things. Our faith is in Jesus Christ alone. Third, he is the king of God's people because he, God the Father, has delivered us from the power of darkness who is Satan and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Fourth, verse 14, he is the redeemer of God's people. Paul writes, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Fifth, in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. God made man in his own image. Christ is that image. <laughs> he is the image of the invisible God. God cannot be seen. But Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the image of the invisible God. Sixth, in verse 15, he is the firstborn over all creation. Not the one born first, but the first of those who are born. 
the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Seventh, verse 16. He is the creator of all things, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Apart from him, nothing was made. Nothing was made. Eight, verse 17. He exists from eternity. Paul says, he is before all things. He is before all things. The only thing that is before all things is God. The only thing. Well, let's not call it a thing. It's a person. There is a person. Oh, there are two persons. One God. Three persons, if you include the Holy Spirit. Before the creation, there they are. Ninth, verse 17. He is the preserver of all things. In Him, all things consist. Actually, the word means cohere. They hold together. Your body is a mass of, oh, a few million molecules. Separate molecules. What's holding them together? <laughs> well, my skin. Well, when you cut your skin, how come your body doesn't fall apart? It's held together. Jesus Christ is the one who is holding this universe together. Remove Him? Yeah, you think you got problems now? You think things are going awry now? <laughs> if Christ removes His hand, there is no cohesion in this universe. Tenth, verse 18. He is the head of the body of the church. Eleventh, verse 18. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, the one who laid the foundation for the resurrected life and the chief of all who enjoy that resurrected life, the firstborn from the dead, the greatest of all who were brought forth from the dead, Lazarus was raised from the dead before Jesus was. Yeah, but afterward Lazarus died again. Jesus was resurrected and never died again. He's the firstborn, the greatest of all who have been raised from the dead. Twelfth, he is the first in rank over the universe and in his church, for in all things... He may have the preeminence. Thirteenth, verse 19. He is co-equal with His Father in divinity, for it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. Jesus Christ is not one whit missing. Not a bit. In either deity or divinity, it pleased the Father that all the fullness should dwell in Him. 14th, verses 19 through 22. He is the reconciler of God's people. You who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has He reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. Have you considered 
the great work of reconciliation wrought by Jesus Christ in his death. Two aspects. Two aspects. He reconciled Jews and Gentiles. Oh, they hated each other. Oh, they were at enmity with all kinds of animosity between themselves. And they're going to be in one body? No, it won't happen. It will if Jesus reconciles them. He reconciled Jew and Gentile in one body and then reconciled them to God. That's glorious. The reconciler is Jesus Christ. Now Paul is here speaking about the one we preach and he's going to say one more thing. He is to believers, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is your hope of glory? What, what gives you hope that you're going to glory? I got saved. Really? No one in Scripture ever said such a thing. I got saved. They often spoke of the Lord saving me, but they never spoke of salvation as something they went out and obtained for themselves. I got baptized. Yeah, so did Judas Iscariot. I joined a church. Yeah, Judas Iscariot was in the church. Just about everything that you can mention that people say, I know I'm saved because of this or that or the other. You'll find people in the lake of fire who will boast of such things. What is our only hope of glory? It is Christ in us. It is Christ in us. And we have an anchor within the veil. He is, he, our anchor is already in heaven and he's in our heart and there is a connection that is there that cannot be broken. What is my hope of glory? Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How do I know I'm God's child? Christ is in me. How do I know God loves me? Christ is in me. The hope of glory. The, all the hope that we have is based upon the fact that Christ is in us. And Paul has mentioned these 15 things. And then he says, uh, that's the one we preach. Him we preach. That's the one we preach. So there's the first point. Who is it that we preach? Him we preach. Second point, the manner in which we preach Him. Notice Paul says, Him we preach. Then he says, Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Consider first that we are proclaiming Christ Jesus. Paul uses a certain word when he says him we preach. There are various words that are used in the scripture translated preach. Paul used a word here that means to announce, declare, promulgate, make known, to proclaim publicly and publish. And that's what I'm doing this morning. I am proclaiming him. Not ashamed of him. I am proclaiming him. Now, many preach about Christ without proclaiming Christ. 
Some preach the church of Christ without proclaiming the Christ of the church. Some preach the return of Christ without proclaiming the Christ who is returning. Some preach the atonement made by Christ without proclaiming the Christ who made the atonement. And some merely make mention of Christ from time to time while preaching. I spent four years in a college pursuing a theological degree. It was a five-year degree. I crammed it in four. And uh, we had chapel every day, Monday through Friday. Every day. We had some of the most prominent preachers in the U.S. and many missionaries. It was a very missionary-minded school. I heard them. I used to keep, <laughs> I used to keep my clipboard in front of me. And every time the preacher said the word Jesus or Christ, I'd make a note. And it was surprising how many times I could walk out of chapel having heard these great eminent preachers in that circle. And they rarely spoke about Jesus. You can listen to television preachers you can stomach it, and radio preachers and what, you know, and, and they can talk about this doctrine, that doctrine, and the other, and just mention Jesus from time to time. And Paul is here letting us know, no, 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 no. We started our message with him. <laughs> we ended our message with him, and he was in the message all the way through. Him we preached. We, we, we proclaimed Him. Second, Paul says, we are warning and teaching or admonishing and instructing. Now these two must be taken together. One must not be accompanied by the other. We warn people that they cannot be saved by any works they perform. We teach them that salvation is by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ and the work He finished for their salvation. We warn people that they are incapable of keeping God's law. We teach them that Jesus Christ fulfilled the law for all who believe in Him and that His righteousness is imputed to them. We warn people of their need of a Savior. We teach them that Jesus Christ is the only and all-sufficient Savior. We teach people that they will be saved if they believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and trust in Him. We warn them that they will be doomed if they do not do so. Now, do you see what Paul is saying? We are not only warning you of the danger, we're teaching you of the salvation from the danger. We warn, we teach. And the two go together. And Paul says, we are warning and teaching every man. Now notice that Paul uses that phrase, every man, thrice in this verse. I mean, in one short verse, three times, does he speak of every man. We acknowledge that there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile or Greek. 
For the same Lord who is over all is rich to all who call upon him. Whoever calls upon the name of Jehovah Jesus shall be saved. We are indiscriminate in our preaching. We have been commanded and commissioned to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We warn every man that God commands all men everywhere to repent and we teach every man that they should seek the Lord. Do you see Paul's emphasis? We warn there is a danger. Here is a man who sees that there is a bridge that is out in the highway up above. The river has washed the bridge away. He runs back up the road and he stops people. Do not go any further. The bridge is out. You will perish. But what shall I do? Take that road. It will take you to another bridge that is still there. It is not enough to warn people of the danger. You've got to tell them of the remedy for their problem as well. And Paul says we are warning and we are teaching in all wisdom, in the all-wise manner. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 7 through 12, he says, We were gentle among you as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. We were gentle to you. I would hope that never is it reported that Moose Parks is a very harsh preacher. I mean, honest? Yeah, yeah. He gives warnings? Yeah. But not harsh. I know of preachers. <laughs> had a friend in college. <laughs> so, he had not been called to be a pastor. He had been called to be an evangelist. And an evangelist in that circle was one who went around taking care of the problems in the church. So a pastor, you know, having a problem in a church would get some evangelist to come in and preach on that sin. In Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where I was raised, it was the great and terrible sin of cigarette smoking because we had R.J. Reynolds there. <laughs> you know, whatever it was. The pastor would be afraid, you know, to preach on it. But the evangelist was well known and famous and people loved him. And he'd get the evangelist to come in. He'd preach on it. Now, what the evangelist does is this. He shears sheep. <laughs> that was what an evangelist was to these folks. Listen, folks. I am devoting my life and my ministry the feeding sheep. But I'm just not very good at shearing them and I'm going to just stay away from it, okay? Furthermore, let the shepherd who owns the sheep do the shearing. <laughs> Paul says, we were gentle among you. Gentle. How? Just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Ah, oh, now there is a picture for you. 
in places where slavery has been practiced. There have been mothers of newborn infants that perhaps could not nurse their own or else would not nurse their own. So they give their newborn infant to a slave to nurse. The nurse or the slave is already nursing her own. And so the mistress gives her infant to the slave and says, here, nurse mine with yours. So here is a slave nursing two infants. One of them is her own. She's nursing it as its mother. The other child belongs to someone else. The slave is nursing it as a surrogate. The affection and the motive in nursing these two children are quite different. When the slave is nursing her own, she cherishes it. It's hers. It's her baby. She's gentle with it. She loves it. But when she has to nurse the other child, it's not done out of love, done out of duty. And it may be a duty that is not, that is not wanted. Paul says, and, he, and we can apply this analogy to the gospel minister, we were gentle among you. As a nursing mother loves her own children. That should be every gospel preacher. I am today a nurse to you, bringing to you the sincere milk of the word. You are God's children. You're dear to him. You better be dear to me. And I'm saying that from my perspective, I better hold you dear to me as God holds you dear to me. We're gentle among you. I came here today to feed you, not to shear you. I came to be gentle among you, intend to be so, and not to be harsh. We were gentle among you, Paul says. And then he says, furthermore, you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged everyone of you as a father does his own children. His own children. <laughs> We lived in a small town growing up. It was a lumber mill town, coal mining town in West Virginia. And uh, my father would take children downtown on Saturday night. We had one store in town, a general merchandise store. And he'd take us in there on Saturday night. And uh, if we were old enough, he'd turn us loose, you know, to go in the store. We had a 25 cents or whatever, you know, to go buy something. And, uh, and then he'd say, and do not forget whose child you are. Because everybody in town knew my father. 
He's the preacher. And everybody in town knew that I was his. <laughs> and I was often warned, you know, by him. Do not forget whose son you are. Yes, sir. Now, there were probably people in town, if I, okay, not if, when, not if I sinned, when I sinned. <laughs> there have been times when men in town saw me do things I should not do. And uh, they may not have told me about it. They may not have scolded me on the street. But somehow or other, my father heard about it. And I get home, and sometimes he would know my mischief before I could get home. And my father would take care of me. I would have much rather been scolded by some other man on the street <laughs> than for my father to do it. Paul says, I treat you like my children. I do not go around correcting other people's children. Yes, I see other people's children doing things they should not do. They're not mine. But when I would see one of my own do something wrong, there was correction. Why? It's my child. I love that child. That child is dear to me. Paul says... <clears throat> We were gentle among you, even when we exhorted you and warned you that we, that we may present you to God. So therefore, we are warning and we are teaching every man. So, Him we preach, Jesus Christ. How do we preach Him? Warning, teaching, in all wisdom. Now we come to the third and final point. The reason we preach him. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That we may present. Gospel preachers are presenters. First, we present Christ to you. Doing so today. We did so from the first part of this chapter in the first point. Presenting Christ to you. Then second, we present believers to Christ. That's what pastors will do. Do you see the awesome responsibility that falls upon every preacher? And I'm not, I don't mean I don't mean just upon me. Alright? I'm up in this pulpit every Lord's day. This responsibility is also yours. And yours. And today it was yours. Standing up to preach. Do you realize God's going to hold us accountable for every word we say? Do not be many teachers. We shall receive the greater judgment. We are presenters. We present the gospel to you. And to those to whom God puts in under our charge. We will present them to Christ. Paul says, I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's what I want to do at that final day 
to present as a chaste virgin presents you as being perfect, lacking nothing. Presents you as perfect in Christ Jesus, finding your perfection in Him alone. Perfect in the doctrine of Christ Jesus, believing all that is true regarding Him. Perfect in the practice of Christ Jesus, living according to His precepts and example. Perfect in the person of Christ Jesus, having Him alone for our standing before God. Paul says, it is our desire to present Christ to you. And God will present believers to us and we will present them to Christ. Perfect. I would hope that when I stand before God to give an account from my ministry, that I could present a chaste bride unto Christ. Look perfect in Christ. They believe what they should believe about you. They practice what they should practice about you. Their perfection is in you and in you alone. Now that's my responsibility. You see, I am responsible not only for what I preach in this pulpit, but for what is preached by others in this pulpit. Certain pastor near and dear to me, had a man join his church, uh, a scholarly man, well-versed in the Scriptures, well-versed in doctrine, felt that maybe the Lord had called him to preach, and so the pastor let the man preach. And when the pastor would go somewhere else to preach, this man would quite often fill in for him. The pastor preached a message on a certain occasion on Jesus Christ being the only righteousness of his people and that we have no other righteousness. This pastor quite often at the end of a message would open up the service to questions and answers. And uh, on this occasion, the man who sometimes preached for him expressed his great disapproval and disagreement with what the pastor preached. He thought he had his own personal righteousness. Jesus Christ was not his only righteousness. He had his own righteousness. He felt this was true of everybody. The pastor let the man speak. The whole congregation is listening. Pastor let him preach or let him speak his mind on the subject of his own righteousness. When he was done, the pastor called him by name and said, you will never preach in this church again. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Okay. You're preaching again rather soon, by the way. Get ready. <laughs> Mitch, Sean, get ready. All right. I'll take accountability for what these men said. But should a man get up into the pulpit and preach that which is contrary to Christ? No. We do not permit that. 
Paul says, we must present you as a chaste virgin under Christ. We must present you as perfect in Christ. And we are responsible for every word we speak in this pulpit and for every word we let others speak in this pulpit. By the way, Bruce Crabtree and his beloved are coming to visit us in the summer. He said they're coming to see Montana and to visit you. And I did tell him that he could not come unless he brought a message with him. So <laughs> he'll be preaching to you. Just letting you know now. Okay, Bruce and, and his beloved Cindy. But uh, they'll be. But uh, okay. Bruce Crabtree can preach for me anytime he's available. All right? And a number of others as well. Why? Like me, they point to Jesus Christ and say, Him we preach. Him we preach. Furthermore, I want you, I want to present you to Jesus Christ like Jesus Christ will present you to God. Now, do you see the two presentations? Paul says, I want to present you as a chaste virgin under Christ. Under Christ. We're going to be married to him. He's going to marry a virgin. She will have been made to be a virgin, but she will be a virgin. And Christ's preachers come to Christ with those who, with, uh, over whom they have charge, their churches, the members of their churches, and say, here are those you gave to me to feed and to pasture. Well, I am now presenting them to you. Chaste virgins. And Jesus Christ takes all those that are presented to him <laughs> then he goes to his father and he says, Behold, I am the children whom thou hast given unto me. I present them to you. The presentation begins with pastors presenting the Lord's people as chaste virgins to their husband and Christ presents them to his father. And how will he do so? Look in verse 22. Holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. That's my hope for every one of you. And, and myself included. And especially myself. Holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And we join Paul in concluding. To this end I also labor striving according to his working which works in me mightily, and all, if God should not cause it to work mightily, it's all, it's, all, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. So that's my message. I'm preaching a person. He is not me. I point you to Jesus Christ and say, Him we preach. I'm warning you, of the dangers ahead. And I'm teaching you. How you can save yourself from those dangers. I'm doing so. Gently. 
as a mother nourishes the child she loves. But I'm I'm doing it also like a father disciplines his son. And I hope that one of these days I can stand before Jesus Christ and say, I preached the gospel to them, and so did those who came before me. One man planted and another man watered and another man came along and watered and God gave an increase and now I'm giving it to Jesus Christ that I may present you holy and blameless and above reproach in this sight. So I'm going to ask you today, have you believed the gospel I preach? Have you believed this one I preach? Are you trusting in this one I preach? Have you heeded my warnings? Have you obeyed my instruction? And will God receive you at that final day? Oh God, our Father, bless this word we pray. Save our unworthy souls. Forgive us of our sins. Draw us to your Son. And may we ever be under the ministry of one who says, Christ we preach. And may we never desire to be someplace else where something else is preached. To your glory in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.